0: This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the ball by the hands. On Seattle
1: Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke, you are. and Brooke you are. And Brooke Huard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk.
2: And
0: all right, a couple more hours to go here before uh, we head into the long weekend. We'll talk to Jaron Reed coming up in 30 minutes. I sat down with him yesterday after practice, really enjoyed the interview. I think you guys will as well, as I said, coming up here at 830. A uh, big thank you to Joe Fan for uh, being a little flexible on timing today. Hello, Joseph. How are you?
1: Hey, good morning Mike I'm doing great. How are you sir? I'm
0: doing awesome. uh let's start here. We'll do some mariner talk maybe some Seahawks talk before we're done uh i'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two part question the first part and then the opposite first question What is your favorite thing or favorite story about this two thousand twenty three Mariners team so far?
1: I think Jared Kalnick's the obvious one just because we've been kind of hoping and waiting for so long that that he would figure it out given what his Sort of ceiling was projected to be as a top prospect in all of baseball. Um, beyond that, I, I think um, having the, the the young trio of George Kirby, um, Logan Gilbert, and Bryce Miller is incredible. I mean, like what a an embarrassment of riches the Mariners have in their starting rotation, and not not with just guys who are you know necessarily at the at the end of their peaks or or even maybe on the downslope. Uh, but guys who are just entering their primes, and, and you would like to think getting better for years to come and under team control for years to come. So they're the envy of the league in, in that department, and, and Bryce Miller has just been an incredible story to the point where we could be talking about the American League Rookie of the Year residing in Seattle for a 2nd straight yeah. season
0: I'll, I'll get to the second part of this question, which is obviously the most frustrating part of the season so far, but you just made me think of this. If you were going to a Mariner game and you could only get tickets for one game out of five, which starting pitcher do you want to go see right now?
3: Um,
1: it depends. What, what If it's a big game and Luis Castillo's on the mound, I just think that guy has a different gear. I just think he's sort of that big game pitcher where I, I don't think he goes into a start against the Oakland A's and says, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's not that important. But but I do think that he is the type of guy who can rise to the occasion. Uh, honestly, much like we saw George Kirby. I mean, the last Mariners game I was at was that 18-inning game against the Astros and watching George Kirby like this guy's a killer, right? Oh, My goodness, but but I'd love to see Bryce Miller in person. Um, and you know what? I think Logan Gilbert deserves his due as well because he he's got the best strikeout numbers of any of them. So, so you just far answered all four guys. I, I know. I'm, I'm offering know. you tickets.
0: I, I'm going tonight. I'm going to get to see George Kirby tonight. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, who would I want to go see the most? Who's your answer?
1: I I have non Answer, answer, <laughs> because terrible. that's how good all of them are. They're so genuinely. weak all box office guys. I will say Bryce Miller because he's a young stud and I'd like to get a a view of him in person. I like it better.
0: Uh, What about the other side of this? What's been the thing most frustrating to you about this season so far?
1: It's just the stars continuing to scuffle. Good to see Ty France breaking out a bit. Um, Julio's had a nice week or so, Um, but, but Gino man has been tough. I mean, there's just, there's no power this year. The extra base hits aren't there. And, He's kind of finding his way on base a little bit. He'll get a single here and there, but, you know, he's hovering, what, around 220, and and you can sort of get by if that's your weak link, but but there's just been too many of them throughout the, the order. Um, you know, you hope, again, staying optimistic that, that him and Cal really get going and Julio really gets going to the point where, you know, maybe he can get hot and, and make a final push for the all-star game. You know, I think I, I'm going to be more bummed than maybe I should be have the all-star game in Seattle and Julio Rodriguez Mm. not involved.
0: I know Um,
1: that just bums me out thinking about, and there is still time, but he's got a lot of work to do because he's not close right now to being in that conversation and and he can do it. He's certainly talented enough, And I'm not saying I'm worried about him, but just in terms of of being on the all-star team, he's got an uphill climb ahead of him. But yeah, I think it's just when you have by far the best pitching staff in baseball, and I went to the numbers this week, they have, more than one full war, uh, a number of, a uh, point of F war, uh, Fangraff's war metric uh, above the next best team. And at that point they were 500 um, before they went on this tear against the A's. I mean, that's, that's hard to stomach because it just should be better than that. And, you know, they've kept their heads above water. They're still competitive, but their division's very good. You know, I would have loved to have seen them take the, the Brave series, Because that, to me, is like that could be a World Series preview. The Braves aren't going anywhere. They're a really good team Um, on both sides, the the pitching staff and uh, with the lineup that ranks in the top three in in, uh, WRC Plus league-wide. They had every opportunity to do so and and then get it done. And so, yeah, I I think it it just – all comes back to the power outage in the middle of the order with the bats you expect to be the run producers.
0: It's yeah, so weird. I, I was saying this yesterday. This team, it it feels like they are like an undertow current. Like there are two completely different stories and teams playing at once. You've got, I mean, the Kelnics and the pitching staff. It's better than we thought. The nucleus of this team might be better than we even thought. And yet the results and some of the bats and some of the guys you were counting on have been so disastrous this year that, that the record obviously is nowhere close to what we thought it would be right now. It's weird to see those two things happening at the same time.
1: For sure. You know, you haven't gotten the big step forwards from guys in the order that you had last year, apart from Cal Nick, you know, Cal and, and Julio haven't really been there to the degree in which you hope they would be. And then, the two additions that they they thought were going to be the game changers have sort of fallen flat. Certainly, Teo has had his moments, um, but he strikes out way too much, and and they still gets to, to get hot. And and Wong, especially when you factor in how bad his defense has been, has been a complete non factor. And I don't know. I was sort of bummed to see like the quote that came out this week of, you know, when the, the, the all the articles about the you know, second base position and what happens when Dylan Moore comes back and all that, and and Colton Wong's quote, at least you know the one I saw highly promoted was. I'm just trying to find my role on this team. And it's like for a dude who's been in the league for so long and a seasoned vet, that's a far cry from any sort of accountability of, Hey, I haven't been good enough to earn a role. Tabby's been better and I've got to, you know, I'm pulling for him. I want him to be successful, but you know what? I'm competitive too. And I've got to start earning my spot on this, on this roster and, um, and earning my role. I just, that's such an easy layup of a, of a response to give when you've struggled as much as you have. Um, and I didn't really get that from what he said. And I don't know. It just kind of bummed me. I just, that's been a, that's been tough. We can talk about the stars not performing, but, you know, look at what Adam Frazier is doing in Baltimore. And I'm not saying he'd had those exact same numbers in, uh, in Seattle, had he stayed, but it still stings. And it's just a reminder that this team is still thin production wise up the middle. And at some point they're going to have to address it long-term and figure it out. And and, and Walt was never that guy, uh, the long-term guy, but Um, it's still glaring, and and he has been just so much worse than anyone could have anticipated. Yeah, and
0: and I I hear in that that you are right with me, that when Dylan Moore's back, that's the guy you're going to DFA rather than sending down Sam Haggerty, and I, I think we both agree on that. It's just funny. I was thinking to myself, for all of the Mariner fan frustration, can you imagine if they had gone into the year and said, hey, we really trust Jose Caballero at second base? We're not going to go yeah. acquire anybody. We, we think this Caballero kid actually has got a little something. People would have blown their mind. Like, what? How dare you, Jose Caballero? And then he turns out to be so much better as of, you know, right now than the guy who they're spending $10 million and gave gave up two players to go get. Baseball's weird.
1: Uh, I would have been. <laughs> I of can course. You, I, well, I know you would that have been. Charge. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I would have been like, Oh yeah, just trust the process, everybody. It's all good. Especially, <laughs> you know, given their ranking and the payroll and you know, if they don't have Colton Wong at ten million dollars, they're even further down the rankings and um yeah, I I, uh, I would not have had faith in a twenty seven year old rookie being the the kickstarter to to an offense that definitely yeah. needs middle infield production and he's certainly been great. And you know what? JP has really kept we've had this conversation uh before you and I and Brock about how, you know, his his numbers don't reflect how good he's been in clutch situations. And then I think Brandon Gustafson, who does great work for you guys over there, is, um, has laid those out on Twitter yesterday. Um, he's been sensational in big moments.
0: Joe, great stuff, as always. Thanks for being a little flexible. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you read Joe at seattlesports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Joe underscore fan with two N's. We'll talk to you next Friday, man. See ya. Appreciate you, Mike. All right, there you go. There is a Joe fan. I love talking to Joe and love arguing with him. Not as much arguing today, but I I was thinking of him specifically when I was like, Can you imagine if the this is, one question Yeah, has you imagine if the Mariners had gone into the year with Jose Caballero at second base baseman? Like, yeah, we really like this guy. People would have been like, what are you kidding me? How dare you? And now the idea that they would play Colton Wong over him for one game has people ready to riot at the at the ballpark. So, All right. Uh, the Mariners are in town for, what, six more games here on this homestand. They take on Pittsburgh for three, then the Yankees for three. I'm going to fireworks night tonight. Tomorrow, by the way, is the uh, big J.P. Crawford Funko Pop collectible day. Uh, so if you want to get over to the ballpark, first 20,000 fans score the limited edition sunglasses on J.P. Crawford, Fungo Pop. You can get tickets at mariners.com slash promotions. Jaron Reed coming up in 20 after everything you need to know next. Need to know.
1: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk.
0: Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, they did get a couple home runs yesterday from Ty France, so clearly his hand is okay. Good to see a late walk as well was the uh, finishing touch all they needed to complete the comeback and beat the A's once again three to two. Why do they only need three runs? Well, because Logan Gilbert was filthy.
1: Here's the windup and the pitch. The next swing and a ground ball down the third base side, right near the bag. Suarez toss across and it's in time to get Allen thirteen in a row set down by logan gilbert holy smokes what a performance by the big right hander yeah
0: it's funny he gave up the two runs with the home run in the first inning and then it was like okay i'm done giving up hits runs or even base runners from here on out he was just phenomenal in fact the pitching was great all week
1: four game sweep, hard to do driven by our starting pitching again uh awesome job by logan logan is he's rolling right now he's got all four pitches working he's got a ton of confidence but it's been starting pitching that gives us a chance every night and uh it's fun to watch young guys continue to get better and and gain more confidence, and uh, they keep adding things to their repertoire. All of them, George Logan, you know, we've seen what Bryce has done so far, and um, it's a fun fun to watch those guys every night.
0: Yeah, it has been, and get, just giving them a chance to win every single time they go out there. That was a heck of a performance from Logan Gilbert uh, for sure. Okay, so now you're done with the A's. That's done for uh, I think the season, right? But certainly for a long time. Maybe you play them again a little bit later. What are you going to do against some better teams? And Pittsburgh comes in tonight. They've been playing good, maybe not great, but certainly good ball. And then the Yankees, we know how talented they are as well. So can that pitching, which has continued to do it all year long, be complemented by those bats? Can what we saw from Julio yesterday and throughout this series continue as he went the other way and he took the ball to right field and he had that nice double to right center? The more of that they can do the better off this team will be. And I do think that there's a run coming. All right, maybe it's not 14, 15 in a row, but what if they do win 8 out of 10, and then they do win 10 out of 12? Like, I, I think that's very possible for this team, given the kind of talent they have, and of course, with the starting pitching that they're going to throw out there. Here's the second thing you need to know. A good day out at Seahawks training camp yesterday, or excuse me, at uh, voluntary OTAs. Uh, Geno Smith certainly stood out. He looked very good, very much in command, very much in control, and zipping the ball around. He looked like a legitimate starting quarterback, and that was obviously a great sign. On the other side of the field, you know... It was different seeing Bobby Wagner back and watching him lead drills and be in first to do whatever it was. Clint Hurt uh, talking a little bit about his role this year. Uh,
3: no. I mean, obviously, still obviously, you with know what a guy who's like, he's the ultimate leader. Uh, so for those things, I wouldn't expect anything different. What I do appreciate about him is, um, and it speaks to how great of a person he is, very humble. Like he didn't come in assuming anything, you know, humble. And it's almost uncomfortable for me. I'm like, look, dude, like we all know who you are your work ethic, the kind of man you are, the the effort you put into your everyday process and the consistency as a player and how he prepares. Uh, But for him, he just wants to work and still earn it even with new teammates. For me, that's beyond admirable. Uh, And for the young guys, I think that's a great thing to be able to learn. But for my expectations in terms of him uh, setting the defense up, his communication out on the field, and he and I uh, being an extension of each other in the communication, it's been great.
0: Well, that's certainly good to hear. And, and you could see him just leading and, and talking to all the guys, kind of coaching them up uh, as uh, as they went through everything. Uh, that whole linebacker room is maybe the most interesting, specifically on the outside. I mean, that just combination of Daryl Taylor, Boy Mafé and Derek Hall, I think is fascinating. And of course, uh, you know, you also have Nuoso's just the, the sort of consummate professional. Um, but can't take my eyes off Derek Hall like I don't know what to tell you every time he's out there I just find my eyes going right there because he's big he's monstrous he plays with a lot of power and I'm really curious to see how that translates once they get going into first training camp and then the regular season
1: here's the third thing you need to, to know
0: golf news uh young Rose Zhang of uh, Stanford is going to turn pro if you don't know the name Rose Zhang you will she is uh Really, really good and fun to watch, and just a uh, cool story there at Stanford. She's going to become a pro quite a few years early. And then Michael Block, who uh, a week ago was everybody's darling. Darling, yeah. It didn't take more than a week before he uh, unfortunately said some stuff that made people very upset. On a podcast, he was uh, asked about what it was like playing with Rory McElroy.
1: You'd assume that Rory's a better golfer than you are? He's a lot longer than I am. That's what it means. Okay, so that the length is the big thing. Oh my God! What I would shoot from where Rory hits it would be stupid. Is, I, 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 think barrier, I'd be, I think I'd be one of the best players in the world. How really? Hands down. Oh, if I had if I had that stupid length, I all the, all day. My 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 iron game, wedge game, around the greens, and my putting is 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 world class.
0: So I've heard this now I don't a few mind times. It. I, don't I, mind I was it. just thinking, like everybody's killing He's him being for this. Confident? He's a professional. Don't we want player. him to be confident like this? Yes. If he doesn't feel that way. Well, How is no he supposed to PNRL? succeed? Yeah. <laughs> good on him. And he's not saying he's better than Rory McIlroy. He's saying, look, that, those parts of my game are as good as anybody's. If I could drive the ball the way these other guys do, I might have a shot.
1: But I can't. I don't yeah, know. I, it you doesn't know bother what? me. The, I'm upset my fourth about time this. It, the first time I laughed... Second time, I was like, well, uh, now I just completely think it's cool.
0: Same reaction, Justin. Right there with you, 100%. Good on Michael Block. That's uh, everything you need to know. He he didn't play very well. Well, but maybe it's because he's not driving the ball far (laughs) enough. If he had, you know, nine irons in instead of six irons, maybe it would be different. That's what he's saying. Like, hey, if I had a wedge in on every hole, things would be a little bit different. But I don't because I can't hit the ball that long without any, you know, dispersion taking it out into the rough every time. Any, so of course. Anybody who's crushing him for like saying that he's world class. He
4: is. He's finishing
1: in the top 50 of the world. Right. Like, yeah. Relax.
0: I, yeah, I I and and yeah. Yes. Agreed. All right. You and I see this one pretty much the same way. Uh, I really did enjoy talking to uh, Jaron Reed yesterday Moore And I sat down with him and, uh, and 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 chatted with him. Dude's been around a little bit now. So interesting. Right. He's played with Russ. He's played with Mahomes. He's played with Aaron Rodgers. He played for Pete. He played for Nick Saban. He played for Andy Reed. That's a lot of Hall of Famers that he has been around over the course of his career and he's uh, introspective enough to be able to talk about all of them. So stick around. You'll hear from Jaron next. It is Brock and Salk on Seattle sports on seven ten.
1: This This is
0: Brock and Salk powered through the Alaska airline studio back in mornings from six to 10
1: on Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app.
0: All right, we roll on. It is Seattle Sports here on 710CLSports.com. com. is the Brock and Sox Show. And Jaron Reed, Seahawks defensive tackle, back with us. New and old defensive tackle.
2: What's it like, man? What's it like being back? Man, it's, a, it's like a breath of fresh air. You know, I get to come back to where it all started and, you know, hopefully go chase one of these rings. Um, you know, that's a dream, especially to win it where we started at. But that's just a goal that, you know, that I want to get to. So you're a free agent this off season.
0: Yeah. You talk to your agent. I don't know who your agent is. Do you talk to your agent and say, hey, I want to go back to Seattle. Or do they call you, or are you like, hey, I'll go wherever. Like, How does that process
2: work? Um, well, you know, afterwards, uh, you know, we were trying to win it there, and uh, everything was done in Green Bay. Um, of course, I threw it out there, you know, and I, I knew that, you know, some teams would – Need some defensive tackle positions to be filled. And, you know, we were just weighing out our options. And, of course, out of our options, TC also was the first on my list, of course. And, uh, you know, it was kind of where I wanted to be. yeah. And, you know, we were, we were uh, able to make it happen. That's pretty cool.
0: Green Bay last year, I'm sure it was cold practice, a little different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a strange vibe there last year. No? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is sort of, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And then, yeah. like, sort of what's the
2: future? Did that kind of hang over that team? um you know i think it was a lot to play in the last year and uh you know you could kind of feel it just uh from my own opinion but you know we weathered every storm you know we started out pretty rocky and uh we found a way to win and to end up to be able to play into the playoffs but you know it didn't go as planned and you know, I'm here now, and that's all that matters. <laughs> you've, been, you've been around some quarterbacks in your career, huh? Oh, yeah, I've played with some great ones.
0: Man, I was just thinking about it. So you start off your career with Russ, yep. right? You go to Kansas City, you play with Mahomes for a couple of years. Yep. Then you go to Green Bay last year. You, now, I know they're not throwing you the ball necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you're competing against them, but how are
2: those three guys, Aaron Rodgers obviously the third, similar and different? Um, You know, everybody has their own different type of characteristics and different type of play styles. Um, Russ, you know, was a great quarterback. You know, obviously he did a lot for this franchise. Um, Pat Mahomes is very different. Everything you see is real. It's real. He doesn't practice. It's all day. It's like secondhand. And, you know, A-Rod, that's, that's 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 for me, like, it was just amazing to see, you know, how smart – not to take anything away from the other guys, mm-hmm. but, you know, he's very smart. And, you know, the game is almost slowed down to him, and it's, and it's very different. Um, you know, I think you know Aaron Rodgers is an amazing quarterback. You know, overall, um, the things he's able to do with the ball, the way he sees the field, is, is is crazy. What's the most incredible thing you saw Patrick Mahomes do? Um, I think it was either we were in practice or a game, and he fumbled the 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 snap was fumbled, but he kind of like dribbled it off the ground and then picked it up and then. Was running and tossed it sideways on a dime in the back of the end zone to Tyree. That was crazy. That's just, a I mean, just a different level of it, athleticism. It's, yeah, right? it's almost like it's just like you know how like NFL blitz was back in the day. <laughs> it's almost like that.
0: So what'd you learn? You go, you go away here. You were here for the whole first part of your career. You leave. You go to Kansas City. Now it's been a couple of years. You and Frank are there together. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys talked about how it was different and compared yeah. notes, etcetera. What,
2: what, what, what did you learn along the way? Um, that Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches to ever. Coach this game, he's old school, very old school. Um, and you know, actually, Green Bay was similar to here with uh, you know, what's being preached, you know, the philosophies of the team, um, the meetings, um, you know, just uh, the co- uh, competition. What do you mean, you know, mean he was like old school? Peak. Go back. What, what, what does that mean? He was old school. What does no, that mean to you? Like, like playing for Andy Reid was like I felt like. We were playing back when he was coaching for the Eagles. You know, it it was old school. You know, it it really brought, you know, just that football atmosphere back. Like, training camp was away at another place. And, you know, it was just – it kind of felt like I was in college again. Huh. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about the coaches you've played for. I mean, you get Nick Saban,
0: Pete Carroll, Andy Reid. Yeah. I mean – how about this guy? Like everywhere yeah. you go, you end up with a great <laughs> quarterback or a great coach or both. It's greatness all around. We're so, destined to be great? So tell me about those three guys and and you know, again, it's sort of the same question I asked with the quarterbacks, but Pete Carroll,
2: Andy Reid, and Nick Saban. Uh um, one thing I can say that with every coach that you just named, they all want to bring out the best in their players and they all want the best for their players and they all want everybody to compete and be great. And that's all you can ask from as a coach. And as players, we got to go out there and deliver. Um, we got to just trust in them and trust in the process and trust with their coaching. And, you know, just take that to the field every day and go out there in that practice field so we can make the game easy. Who of those three coaches, who are the most similar to each other? Who are the most similar? That's tough. I mean, because every one of them has something different about them. And, you know, coach Saban is a whole, that's a whole. All right, so, all right, so, so, so let's do football. it this <laughs> way. What would you learn from Coach Zay? Um, For one, how to be a pro. Uh, he prepared us to get ready for the next level. Um, you know, everything I learned from him was especially, even off the field, how to be held accountable, how to be responsible, you know, how to hold myself and the organization that we play for to a high standard, such as, you know, we were carrying the A, we carry the A everywhere we go. You know, just as here we're Seahawks, we carry it everywhere we go. And you know, just as we left the field, um, Coach Pete said that. Now, uh, those are things that you know, you just learn, especially just learning from college. You know, coming here to the league, I was well prepared for. So then, what did you learn from Pete once you got here? Everything. You know, how to practice, how to practice fast, how how to how to believe in yourself, how to compete. You know, how to be relentless, how to never give up, how to always keep hope. Because it's been plenty of games. You know, just sometimes, especially playing games, you may think it's going one way and you never know how it ends. Hmm. And you've always got to keep believing and you got to keep competing. And that is so true. You know, you got to keep on going because you never know what will happen in any moment, in any down, in any play, in any game. How about Andy Reid? What'd you learn from him? Same way. Greatness. Once again, greatness. How to endure, how to persevere, um, you know, just how to unlock your mind when you're tired, you know, how to play the game as it's as being dealt, you know, how to be physical, just everything. Wow. It's quite
0: a journey. We're talking to Jaron Reed uh, here on CL Sports on 710 Brock and Salk. How are you a different player now today when we see you this year than when you left here?
2: Um, you know, leaving, uh, it was, you know, because I was still kind of young. So going to Kansas City, I had to learn a whole new style, a coaching style of football from my position coaches, um, from the defense coordinator. It was all different. So I had to learn. A different way, and I had to play that they wanted me to play, and um, you know, taking that and going to Green Bay, it was kind of mixed back then, mixed back into what I was being taught beforehand, and so just meshing that all together and bringing that all together, you know, I think coming here now, I'm a better, well, all-around player. Um, the game has slowed down tremendously for me, um, you know, and I'm just trying to be the greatest I can be for, you know, the Seahawks and. You no, know, go out there. And hopefully, you know, play my best game. It's,
0: it's interesting to hear you say I'm more of an all-around player. When I think of you, that's sort of what I think of. You might not be the best run stopper in the league or the best pass mm-hmm. rushing defense attack on the mm-hmm. league, but there weren't usually too many guys who could do all of those things as yeah. well as you. How do you get more well-rounded? Is it two gap versus one gap? I mean, like, what
2: makes you more well-rounded? I think, I think just playing in every different kind of scheme and. Every different coach's philosophy without within side esteem and position coaches wise, it and, and how it's being taught. and You know, everybody sees something a different way. Like, if I'm looking at a film, I see something one way, a coach will see it another way, then I'm like, oh, I didn't even think of it that way. So then, in my mind, I just put them both together and mesh them together, and then voila. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What do you think of these new guys? I mean, you get out there, you got all these rookies running around.
2: First of all, before I get to that, do you remember being in their shoes? Oh, I remember hands down. Cliff, I seen Cliff and Mike B. yesterday. Like I said, they were my OGs. They were were my Vets. And, you know, it's just funny. Because when they came out, it was kind of like, uh, I feel like I need to take a back seat for a minute. But I just remembered. yesterday you did? Yes. <laughs> but I remember now I'm the vic Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't need to take it from there. Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. I am just messing around. But
0: um Were yeah. you nervous at, I mean, you came around those guys who had won Super Bowls here and that was one of yeah. the things we had heard is that maybe it was challenging for some of the next generation yeah. to come in here and feel like you could start to own the place when you look over and there's Bobby and there's Cliff and
2: there's yeah. you know, Earl, whomever. You no know, well. Coming in as a rookie. I have had to earn my right, and um, they brought the best out of me every day. It was tough. It was hard, but I trusted them, and they trusted in me once we got going, and I knew that I was going to be playing, and so I just had to be on my P's and Q's. And I, I was telling one of the young guys the other day, I used to watch everything they did, and I didn't tell them. So whatever they did to take care of their body, I was going to emulate that. I was going to just steal it from them, you know, do the same thing, which then if I had any questions, I would ask them, man. And at the end of the day, everything they did was to help me become a bit all-around player. And, you know, well, today's game has changed a little bit with the rules and everything, but, you know, I came in with the last of the Mohicans. So <laughs> we were still playing real football. This is real football, but, you know, still a little, you know, content. Who, who, who was that? You said Mike B. and Cliff. Who else? Mike B., Cliff Raven, Tyba Rubin, Tony McDaniel, Jordan Hill was here, Brian Robinson was here, um, and you just watching I can go on, them. on, on and all. And you just on, sort of like creeping around, watching. I'm like, those, all right, what's those, that guy doing over yeah, there? Yeah, I wasn't creeping in here. Was, if they was in the tub, I was in the tub. <laughs> I have time to see how long they was in there, to boom. All right. They went in the summer. They went in the stretch, got stretched. I'm trying to figure out what they were doing, what they were working on, what they were loosening up. Seriously, but, you know, it just helps, you know, and it helps you learn how to be a pro, learn how to be a professional football player, not just a football player. How much player. of that time was Mike B talking? Well, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> all of it, <laughs> all of that time. Yeah, but right. everything he said made sense, believe it or not. it was some crazy, though. it was always like a <laughs> message behind
0: it. So now tell me about these new guys. Now that you're in their position, what have you seen from some of the rookies out there?
2: Um, th- this group of gu- uh, These group of guys I've seen, they're ready to work. They listen. They don't complain. And they put their hard hats on and come out here every day ready to work. I actually like this group a lot. Because they got some fire, and you know, if you tell them something one time, they can go back and try to fix it. And you could tell they're putting emphasis on what uh, what we're trying to coach, coach them coach up on them, what they're doing.
0: Start with Cam Young. I mean, I saw you guys out there kind of next to each other. You have similar builds, not exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. How much are you guys sort of mimicking each other and doing some of the same you know,
2: things? I mean, I'm, I'm gonna make sure that I get in that area and try to give them every piece of knowledge that I have to give them everything that I learned. Um yeah, you know, I don't want to hold nothing back. I want them guys to be great. We're going to need those guys to step up this year in the play. And I just want to make sure he's ready to go, you know, whatever type of help he needs, as far as hand placement or you know, coming out of his hips, steps, whatever it may be. Reading, reading the offense, and seeing what's going on, um, pre-snap keys, play recognition, those type things. Mike Morris actually reminds me a little bit of
0: Mike B. Just I was watching him uh, or listening to his press conference a week or so ago, and he's got that same
2: kind of you know looking around kind of style. He's a big dude, yeah. can play a little inside, a little outside. I, I like I like Mike a lot. I just said that the other day. Um, I think he's going to be real good because he has some. You could tell he was coached well coming out of college, you know. Most guys, everybody's taught different in college. There's so many different types of coaching styles. But, you know, he's coming in ready to play. Um, I think he's got a long way to go, but it's real minimal what he has to do. His is going to be more mental than anything.
0: So it's funny. You're in sort of a unique position. You were here when Russ was a quarterback for all of that time. You weren't here last year when things changed a little bit. And at the beginning, at this time last year, we didn't know what to think. I mean, you know, nobody was the starting quarterback, you know, quote, unquote. Yeah, there was sort of a, I, I say a vacuum of leadership, almost a little bit. That, not as a bad thing, but just sort of waiting to see who would move up mm-hmm. into Russ and Bobby's shoes, et cetera. And now you come back here, and Gino is established, and he had a great year, and he was a comeback player of the year, and a Pro Bowler, and everything else. How does that look different? Or different to you? What, what is the, what is the VMAC like under
2: Gino as the um, QB one? I'm not surprised at what you know that Gino's done and what he's accomplished because, um, like my last. I was with Junior for like two years, the last two, if I'm not mistaken, and just watch him and he was always prepared for anything that happened. Watch him in practice, going through the mechanics, it was just like watching Russ. You know, what I'm saying like they're not they're not the same player, same type of build, but I'm saying as far as how locked in, how how ready they are, and how focused and how smart they are. So I'm not surprised at all. And you know, when you got a corporate like that, and, you know, especially that's a great locker room guy too, and go out there and play, guys won't go to back for you. And so you got the trust of the team. You got trust of everybody. And that's where camaraderie comes in. That's, you know, where team chemistry comes in. And, you know, everybody there to be ready to play. You just moved back into the same house when you got here? I wish.
0: <laughs> it was hard
2: hey, good uh, good to have you
0: back. Congratulations. And uh, we'll look forward to watching you this year. All right. Appreciate That is That uh, is Jaron Reed, uh, who I had an opportunity to sit down with yesterday after practice. And, uh, yeah, I like the uh, text that we get right off the bat here. Jaron Reed's a great interview. Thanks, Salk. Yeah, no, I agree, Ben. He is a good interview. He's He is one of those guys, and what I like about him is that he's just willing to think about the question and then answer it. I, I know that sounds very basic, but you would be surprised how many players in all sports don't bother with that. He's just having a conversation. Well, That's think, how he views it, and I I appreciate that.
4: I think there's a lot of training that... The media is going to find some way to spin your words and make you look bad. So there's a lot of guys that are on on guard. Yes. I don't give you a lot of compliments oh, on this no. show. It's Uh-oh. not really my role. But yeah, I, I will. I will say that was a very good interview. Oh, I, thank I, you. I enjoyed where you took it.
0: Did you enjoy his um, thoughts on the quarterbacks? Because that was definitely something that jumped <laughs> out, to out to me. Hey, so tell me about these three quarterbacks. Oh, Russ, a great player. Uh, OK, well, what about uh, what, what about Patrick Mahomes? Well, he's real. He's, what you see is real. That's really who he is. Like, ha, huh, is there are so he you. didn't say that about someone. Right. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say anything negative about Russ. That's for sure. But man, when you well, hear kind it of like I'm about
4: Rodgers too. I thought Russ was the most brief, yeah. It was
0: like, oh yeah, so Russ was good. And then uh, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, very real. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, great player, very smart. Okay. <laughs> like, Next I, question. I got it. <laughs> anyway, I think I can read between the lines here. Um, he, uh, he he is I mentioned it in there, he is built pretty similarly to Cameron Young. For whatever reason, I think I expected Cameron Young to be a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger than Jaron Reed. But then you kind of see him next to each other and you know, maybe they'll play some slightly different positions, maybe not. Maybe those two guys will be on the inside together, kinda of depending on how things uh how things look, but yeah, I, I I thought they were built very similarly. And so now you kind of end up in this spot where, you know, D-tackles are going to be asked to do some new things in this scheme. Clint Hurt talking yesterday said, hey, here's what I want to see out of those guys. Uh, really
3: just watching, you know, young guys continue to progress, how fast they take in information and process things while they're out there. Um, the veteran guys like obviously bringing Jaron back, who we're obviously very familiar with and him getting with that group that's been it's been good you know but there's a lot of details that go in it's a position that's not hard to learn in terms of playbook information but physically obviously it's very challenging there's no pads on and things like that uh when they're out here so like the little details i like to see is just you know the communication in the run game you know the alerts uh protection wise and where slides are are going and things like that and seeing how well are the young guys picking that stuff up too when we have uh, rookie development period so I would say it's a nice start in that aspect.
0: Yeah, he went on a little deeper here, uh, just specifically on Cam Young. Really
3: quiet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm sure he, he puts in the time he takes care of his body. For a young kid, that's impressive because a lot of those guys don't get that early. But generally with Cam, he and uh, D. Hall, they're trying to find a way to get on the water and go fish. So the, the Mississippi roots have made it out to the West Coast. All
0: right. He seems like he <laughs> didn't seem like he wants to talk at all. Like he I've... came to media a couple weeks ago and was like, uh-huh. See ya.
4: I was gonna say I cut up all those interviews yeah. and um. Don't cut up, Cam Young. They were all uh, at least like five minutes. His was like a minute and yeah. three seconds. Media
0: was like, okay, well, we <laughs> I guess we're good here. If you don't want to be here, then we don't want to talk to you. <laughs> all right,
4: he's about his business. Uh, good for him. Here, I, let me I you just a little And I looked up more. their height oh, just because you were mentioning it. Yeah. Uh, they're both six three, um, but Carol said Cam Young showed up a little heavier at three twenty. Yeah. Uh, Jaron reads three oh six, so he does have a little weight.
0: Yeah, on. I would say he looked. A little bigger, but it was – weren't you sort of struck by the the sort of similar build? Not exactly the same size, but, like, there's a lot of different ways to wear 300 pounds. Yeah. Right? I mean, there was that guy, Merrill, who's, like, you know, short and squat and 320. Then there's Mike (laughs) Morris, who is tall, and just all the weight is just all over him. And, like, it's so interesting how differently some of these guys can be built. Cam Young is not tall. He's not huge. I mean, he's not short, but he's not – He's just sort of in between and just flat out big. I mean, like, he's just a big dude. Uh, really,
3: what you're dealing with him is a guy we met, interviewed him at the combine. Uh, the measurable stuff, obviously, is impressive. He's a large man, long arms, big hands, strong, at, physical at the point of contact. Uh, but he's a guy that has good football awareness and ideas in the fields of things that's going on. So, you know, in terms of transitioning to a different scheme of how you're going to play him, He has all that stuff he's got to continue to develop and train him and get him up to speed on things, and he's done a nice job so far. He's a guy that's unselfish, physical, rugged. He plays a position that uh, doesn't get a lot of fanfare. You know, we've had guys obviously like Al Woods and Monet uh, that have played that position in the past where they eat a lot of double teams, but they help. Guys like Bobby and Jordan make a lot of tackles and be really productive. So uh, he can definitely he can continue to do those things for us.
0: I mean, I sure hope so, man. I really do hope this defensive line is going to be able to be better than what they had a year ago. Dre Jones is a huge pickup for them. Bringing Jaron Reed back, if he can play up to the potential of what he did when he was here – that would be wonderful, and you know, I had heard that he didn't have a great year last year in Green Bay. Maybe coming home, being in better circumstances, maybe that will help him. I certainly hope so. And then, yeah, they are going to need to count on Cam Young a little bit because it gets a little thin after that. I like Reed. I like I like Dre Jones. Then it starts to get thin, and I, you know, it's funny. I, I was driving yesterday. I was driving home. Or maybe I was driving to practice, one or the other, and I was listening to Bump and Stacy for a while, as I do. And Stacy will be here in about ten minutes, and I'll ask her about this. And they were they were talking through Bump specifically was talking through all of these guys like, oh wow, they're going to get this from from Cameron Young, and they're going to get this from uh, from uh, uh, one of the one of there's going to be at least one rookie starter on the offensive line, and they're going to get such and such from Mike Morris. So I, I was like, man, that's a lot of rookies, man. It re- like I I like the youth movement and
4: it worked out last year. It but did. That is
0: That's rare. rare. Yeah. Yes. Scant as it may seem, that is rare. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> right? Scanza dananza. Scant as it may seem, uh, there's not a lot of that. scant dananza. You don't. dananza. Thank you, Jeff and Jerry. You-, you don't count on rookies, and it does feel like they are in danger of counting on too many of them which just makes me a little nervous I love the youth which great for the long term who are the Seahawks it's a little nerve-wracking in the short term what are they right now does that make sense so we'll see I, I just uh, we'll talk to like Stacy about it
4: last year part of so many of the rookies getting in there was just them going back to a time where that was yep. their model and they they got away from that so
0: and that's great when it works and when you don't need it to work hmm but they might need Cameron Young to be great. I hope they don't need Anthony Bradford to be great. I hope they don't need Olu Oluwatimi to be great. Like if that happens, and by the way, those are
4: you hope he takes the job. That's right, because they had I hope, to. I no hope one else. those
0: those fourth and fifth rounders end up taking the job because they're ahead of schedule. But you want to be counting on fourth and fifth round? Hey, you want to count on Jackson Smith and Jigba as your as your third wide receiver? Great, I'm all in. You think Devin Witherspoon's going to start right off the bat as number five pick? Cool. Right there with you. But you want to start saying, oh yeah, no, this guy's going to start and this guy's six round pick. We're moving him from D tackle D and this is going to be fine. Like, It just, that's a lot of moving pieces, and that's when I start wondering whether or not that's uh, exactly how it's going to go. I also saw this, uh, thank you to Isaiah for uh, sending this over, and we'll have to ask him about it the next time KJ's in. Uh, KJ on Good Morning Football, did you see he had to rank his top five Legion of Boom members?
4: I was like, oh man, why haven't we done that?
0: Well,
1: I saw him, he was yesterday and today's on Good Morning Football.
0: All right, well, he ranked them. Here, Here was his top five. Number five, Mebane. Yes. Not a surprise. I mean, that's no. his guy. He called him. when he was, Yeah. Number four, Sherm. Number three, Earl. Earl. And
4: this isn't play, right? They asked him to rank his friend, top five friends. In the
0: I don't know. Something? I think they just said rank the Legion of Boom okay. players. Number two was Bobby. Number one was Cam. Oh, uh, yeah. That makes sense. Who's so, missing? Cliff. He talks
4: often about Cam kind of being the glue to yeah. that whole group with us. So, that makes sense. But I thought Bobby might have been number 1 for him fellow linebacker.
0: So how mad is Cliff? <laughs> how mad I mean Mike B. Cliff? Maybe there's another caveat to this that that we're missing that would explain those. Yeah. I mean, those would be the two guys, right, who would probably have like reason to to say, "Hey, what why aren't I on that list?" right? I mean, you've got your three secondary guys. Brandon Browners probably not going to be say, on Brandon there. Not there. I mean, that's that's not going to happen. But Meebane for sure. Okay, so that, that's the list. There you go. Me, Bane, Sherm, Earl, Bobby, Camp. And since KJ can't put himself in there, right, because he's somebody that might, you know, if somebody else was doing the list, might uh, might actually have him in there. So, mm-hmm. all right, good stuff. And i uh, not trying to uh, start anything between Cliff and KJ. But when I see them both next week at KJ's event, I'm definitely going to be asking Cliff about
4: their, their that. Th- their caption <laughs> says, we made him rank his friends. Yeah, but yeah. I, so I assume I that know. just
0: meant like, who are you, you – know, Rank all your buddies okay. and tell us who's the best player. I don't know I'll we'll have to go watch the segment at some point. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Uh, I promised some Stacey Ross. She will be in next. Uh, we'll follow up on this rookie thing. And something tells me she'll have more to say about things that we only sort of care about. That's coming
1: up. But don't go anywhere. It is Brock and Salk on CL Sports on 710 salesports.com.